Hello again, I'm Tim Muma. Thanks for joining us on localjobnetwork.com radio. This is I Want to Be A, where each episode we complete that sentence with a different industry or field of work and then speak with a professional to get the inside scoop. Today, I want to be a court reporter and we're speaking with Glenn Pogue to find out what that entails exactly. Glenn is an official court reporter in Texas and also the vice president of the National Court Reporters Association. How are you doing today, Glenn? I'm doing great, Tim. How about you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm interested to get into this topic, this field a little bit. And before we get started, we always like to give our listeners uh, an opportunity to hear what our guest does and what their professional background is. So if you could fill us in a little bit. I'm an official court reporter in a state district court in San Antonio. And basically, I make a record each day of the proceedings that happen in court and transcribe those to submit to a court of appeals or to attorneys or litigants who are involved in the cases that come into our courtroom. Okay, well, you touched on it there just a little bit. When, when someone hears the term court reporter, they might think of, of different things, have different images. And what do you see as the main priorities and then maybe some of the smaller tasks that might come up as well? Well, what I do every day is take down the proceedings for uh, the cases that come in. We never know uh, what we're going to hear usually before the day starts. People come walking in. It could be a divorce case, could be just about any kind of case. I make a record of those proceedings, then keep that record, and attorneys or litigants call me later and see about uh, getting a copy of that record, either for further litigation or for involving appeals to the Court of Appeals or to the Supreme Court. Well, I mean, it seems like it's an interesting job to have, and I think most people probably have seen someone like you in in a courtroom at some point. What was it then that attracted you to this industry, to this profession? I mean, was there something that piqued your interest at all? Was it something you always had in mind for some reason? Just fill us in a little bit on that. Well, I really didn't know anything about court reporting okay. until my, <laughs> my, my father suggested that I go to the local court reporting school in our uh, small town huh. and check it out and see what it was all about. And I went up there, found out a little bit about court reporting. It kind of piqued my interest and decided I would give it a try. So I enrolled and uh, started out in classes. From there, you just worked your way up with experience Why? I mean, how, do, how does that work, sort of that transition from, from schooling and training into getting into a courtroom? Uh, what's sort of that path like? Most of the states across the United States and the provinces in Canada require a certification test. Okay. And those certification tests are given uh, generally two or three or four times throughout the year. And people from all across the state or province will come and take that particular exam. Usually, you've graduated from court reporting school by that time, done a little bit of an internship, and you take your exam. And once that's done, it's uh, kind of like getting your law license. Uh, You're available then to be hired either in a courtroom setting or a freelance firm that does depositions and hearings. Okay. Well, since you brought it up, let's jump into that section a little bit, the idea of education and, and finding that job, uh, again, for those listening that might have an interest or never thought of this as a career, but now uh, you might be sort of pushing them in that direction. You talk about education, training, schooling. What, what are people looking at? I mean, is it, are there specific colleges around the country? Are you looking at two years, four years? Or what's, what's sort of the, the typical path that someone would take via the education route? Generally, You're looking at uh, around 50 schools throughout the U.S. and Canada that uh, provide the training. Okay. The course usually takes anywhere from uh, two to four years. That's kind of dependent upon uh, the way the the classroom is set up or the way the course is set up. Sure. 
sometimes if you're in a community college setup, it may take uh, a little bit longer or it uh, may go cruising right on through because you're in with a lot of other programs and the classes don't always become available at the exact time you'd like to have them. So that could uh, sometimes slow you down. Okay. Although some some of the community colleges that I've worked with have a program that's set up just to move you right on through. The problem is that it is self-paced to some extent mm-hmm. based upon uh, your commitment level and the, the practice that you put in and attendance and all those other things, your commitment level. And earlier you mentioned an internship as well. Is that something that's often required or is that you would say it's definitely beneficial no matter whether it is required or not? How does that play a factor here? It's always beneficial, but most of the certified or accredited uh, schools and colleges will require an internship of a specified length, and you'll get an opportunity to sit in with court reporters in a courtroom setting or in a deposition setting or maybe even uh, cart providers or captioners and see about that part of the industry also. Okay. And I just had a curiosity, when you are interning and you're sort of taking it all in and, and learning different things, I mean... What would you say you can really pick up from someone else? Because in my mind, I'm thinking, well, it's just something you need to practice. And, and the more you do it, the, the better you get. Are there little things you can pick up on from professionals that you're sort of following? I think you definitely can, because when you talk about uh, being in a courtroom, there are, it's hard to get used to different speakers. Hmm. It's one thing to just write a lot of words. It's another thing to identify each person who is speaking. Okay. And in the courtroom, there are a lot of speakers. It's uh, different than just sitting down and taking like the president's state of the nation address, like sure. the court reporter does there in the House of Representatives when that's given. So when you have a lot of speakers talking, you have to get used to that. And there are tips and techniques that you learn from sitting in with actual official court reporters in that setting or in a deposition setting where you've got a lot of speakers. Also with the uh, the captioners and the cart providers, you get used to trying to really focus in on the individuals and you act almost more as an interpreter as opposed to the court reporter who sits in the courtroom and takes every word and who said it. You may be trying to work a little bit more on communication, giving mm-hmm. access to the hearing impaired person you're working with. So we talk a little bit about the educational side and internship, of course, being extremely beneficial, required or not. Take us into the process of actually reaching out to apply for jobs, things job seekers would need to know, where they're looking, how that, how that sort of, I don't know, just kind of works out because every industry might have its little secrets or niches that you need to look into. Any tips for our job seekers? Generally, you'll find that the employers are reaching out to the schools to find the uh, students because of the need for court reporters out in the industry. Official court reporter jobs are always posted on the local government websites, and that involves basically filling out applications and interviewing. If you've got your certification, many times you're approached Uh, Your name ends up showing up on a list that you've passed your exam. And freelance firm owners uh, who take depositions and send reporters out to those jobs uh, seek you out many times to uh, find reporters to fill the uh, places that they have because of the increase in business and the increase in in litigation that Mm -hmm. continues to happen. I think that's great to hear for the job listeners out there who maybe aren't sure what path they want to take or they thought about something to do with uh, you know the courts or the law. I think uh, that sounds 
I mean, that sounds like a great opportunity for a lot of people out there. As you said, there's um, increased need for it. So hopefully those those are paying attention to us here. We'll take uh, take advantage of that. Now, for your, when you go to the interview itself, when you're, again, looking to land a job, are there certain things you need to bring with you? Do you get tested on your ability right then and there? I mean, what does that sort of look like when you're in that interview? If it's a state that doesn't have certification, then usually your uh, prospective employer will want to uh, test your skill level to some extent and see what you uh, are able to produce. Most states, though, who have a uh, certification exam, they will just depend upon that certification exam that you've taken and any other exams beyond that, like Mm -hmm. through the the National Court Reporters Association or uh, other associations that offer certification exams. Okay. What would you point to are some of the skills that are essential to having a successful career? You, you touched on maybe some of the things you need to, to pay attention to when you're interning, but what would you say specifically the skills are that you need? I think an appreciation for technology and uh, a lack of a fear of using technology because that's become such a uh, an increasing part of uh, the role that we play in the courtroom and mm-hmm. providing real time and also uh, in the providing captioning and, and cart production. An appreciation for the spoken and the written word is definitely a good thing because uh, spelling and grammar becomes an important part of, of what you're doing and the record production that you do. Lacking uh, politics and the law and mm. education and even in believe it or not, the media and sports, because uh, <laughs> if you're going to be a captioner, uh, you'll probably end up doing part of that somewhere along the way. Right, right. No, that definitely makes sense. How about on the personality side? Does I mean, do you see different types of people r- moving into these roles, or are there certain, I don't know, specific traits that somebody maybe should have, aside from the skills, more so their mindset or their way of thinking? It's it's really amazing when you look at court reporters. Our National Association has about 19,000 members, and they're from all different backgrounds and walks of life. Uh, you'll have uh, freelance firm owners who are very outgoing and gregarious and love to be with people and go out and, and drum up business, and uh, they are business owners and business people, uh, uh, male and female. And you'll also find that uh, you've got people who are a little bit more prone to being a loner and would prefer to work in an office by themselves, mm-hmm. I think this is uh, a lot of the uh, captioners who spend a lot of time uh, daily uh, working from home and getting uh, audio feeds of different programs that come in, and they do the captions and send those out uh, via the internet to all the different places where they need to go to the broadcast area. And those people uh, don't see a lot of folks during the day, but uh, they may be doing other things around their home or other places. So the jobs just vary so greatly as far as uh, our industry and the personalities do too and uh, the backgrounds. Again, I think that's just terrific for, to hear for our listeners, uh, just seeing and hearing the opportunities that are available um, to some of those listening out there. I, I really do appreciate you bringing up some of these aspects. Let's jump into the idea of a typical day for a court reporter. And I understand, of course, things can be different and changing all the time. Uh, but as best you can, maybe talk a little bit about what uh, a traditional day might look like and uh, offer up some tips or tricks, possibly, um, you know, just as you talked about, it can be a challenge in there. So what do you see on a daily basis? My day generally starts out about the same. About 8.30 in the morning, we start hearing uh, smaller cases that come in and They could be uh, involving discovery matters from attorneys uh, where they're seeking records or documents 
or where they're trying to compel attendance of a witness at a deposition, things like that. And those are shorter matters that usually last uh, uh, 30 minutes to an hour. Later on, about 9.30 in the morning, we'll get into our cases. If we've been assigned a jury trial, it could last uh, days or weeks. And we'll start every morning with uh, that at 9.30. And it could be testimony from a doctor, a plumber, a construction person, or uh, uh, an injured worker. So uh, you never know what that's going to be. And we'll uh, do that until about noontime, break for lunch, and uh, for everybody to get their second wind and start again in the afternoon about 1.30 with the same type of thing. Then about 5 o'clock, uh, when the uh, the bell rings and everybody goes home, that's when uh, some of the real work starts as hmm. far as a, an official court reporter because we have uh, appeal transcripts that we will be working on to get those out, and uh, that's a constant thing that's going. I don't always sit down and do all of those myself. I sometimes send work out to scopists or to proofreaders. I have control of that uh, and can kind of make those choices as to how much work I want to keep and how much I want to uh, get some help with. Okay. Well, speaking of that, I mean, a few times now you've brought up the idea of technology and, and being able to use it and really, you know, sort of appreciate that aspect of it. Are you still using stenotypes? Are there different, you mentioned software and different programs that you're using now? Break it, break it down a little bit as far as what you guys are using in terms of being able to really shorthand these conversations. Well, the stenotype machine is still basically like it always has been from the keyboard standpoint, mm-hmm. but now it comes in many forms, uh, ergonomic forms and uh, sometimes just a flat, thin uh, keyboard that would look about like a computer keyboard, but it's a lot thinner and has a different uh, keyboard design. And it's set up in a way to where that makes the writing a lot easier. The software then allows us to not only write straight into the computer, but then to send the what we're translating into the computer out over the internet to uh, expert witnesses that could be in another city waiting to get on a plane oh, wow. to come testify or uh, send it over the lines back to a uh, television uh, station so that they can broadcast the nightly news and get the captioning uh, into the news and the weather. There's just a lot of the technology that has changed how we do things and it's made it easier and better and allowed us to uh, produce more and produce it quicker and easier. Correct me if I'm wrong with the stenotype. It's it's shorthand in terms of using phonetical spellings versus having every letter like you would have on a keyboard, or, or how would you describe it to somebody who doesn't know exactly what it is? It, it sounds strange what I'm going to say, but you have <laughs> almost an entire alphabet on each hand. Okay. And that is, that is done by combining certain letters because uh, it's not like a typewriter where you're mashing one key at a time or pressing one key at a time. You could press all the keys on the keyboard at one time, and they'll just come out in a straight line across uh, uh, your notes so that you can uh, use that for a brief. You can use that for whatever you'd like to use it for. And your brief forms are set up to where that they are based on phonetics to some extent. Then it gets a little bit more complicated at times when you start writing three words at a time or four words at a time. And that is just something that you learn across time and even adjust throughout the years with your writing, depending upon uh, how your practice goes as far as whether you're doing a lot of civil litigation or criminal litigation, because the terminology is different from one of those to the next. The technology, though, is just uh, amazing in what we're able to do and the way we're able to produce it with everybody wanting to go to a paperless society. So many of the transcripts anymore are not printed, but they're uh, done in a PDF form or a digital format. 
so that they can be sent over the internet to attorneys and you're not having to worry about them sending a runner over to pick things up or you having to make arrangements to deliver things. It just gets delivered instantaneously. Now, what happens if during the course of uh, you know any of the proceedings that you're involved with, what if you miss something or you weren't sure what somebody said? How does that process work uh, if that were to happen in some case? Uh, that happened uh, this very morning as okay. I was in the courtroom because the, the uh, one of the attorneys had a very thick accent and uh, was reading some material at a fairly rapid rate, and I would have to stop him from time to time. And I was not the only one in the courtroom who could not understand what he was saying <laughs> as they would they would look at me and hope that I was getting it. Right. And it uh, <laughs> at those moments, um, if I'm not getting it, it's up to me to stop the speaker and ask them to repeat or to slow down. Sometimes my judge is a step ahead of me, and she's having so much difficulty understanding, she will stop them hmm. uh, even before I do sometimes and ask them to slow down or to repeat. Okay. Does it happen a lot where they'll turn to you and say, hey, Glenn, do you, did you catch what that was? Or what did they say five minutes ago to sort of recap? I and mean, how often does that play a role? Or how, how much do you play a role in, in terms of that? Sometimes if it's a highly emotional case and you have uh, aggressive attorneys, what you'll find is because of objections that are made right after a question has been asked, sometimes the objections can go on for uh, a minute or two minutes or even longer, and then they will forget what the question was. Right. So an attorney may ask to uh, have the question repeated, or the witness may ask to have the question repeated, or the judge may ask just to make sure that the witness is answering the right question <laughs> after all the discussion has taken place. So that will happen uh, fairly frequently in a uh, case that involves uh, aggressive uh, attorneys on both sides. Clearly, you have plenty of experience and you've had uh, diverse uh, opportunities to see these different proceedings and, and hear what goes on. What is it would, that you say you love about this industry, about what you do? I mean, what do you really cherish about it? I love the challenge of what I do each day, uh, the success that allows me to enjoy both uh, financially and personally, the relationships that I've made with uh, attorneys and judges across the years has just been uh, invaluable. It has definitely enhanced my quality of life and uh, made things a lot better for me throughout the years. The fact that uh, the technology continues to change and that even uh, the terminology continues to change because we're getting new words and new phrases that come up uh, every day and being able to adapt my writing on a daily basis to be able to handle all that uh, new terminology and to try to keep up with the new technology, it seems a uh, that's a, a difficult thing, but it's an enjoyable thing and something that uh, I like to do. How about then on the other side of the ledger? Is there anything that really you see as a, a struggle or something you really dislike and maybe you'd want to even change within the industry? I think uh, one of the things that has changed the industry a little bit and made it a little bit more difficult is uh, people seem to be uh, in a little bit more of a hurry when they come in the courtroom. Sure. In times past, lawyers were uh, great litigators and uh, uh, and very good orators, and they would speak slowly, distinctly, and loudly and would impress you with their speech. And sometimes uh, nowadays it uh, takes on more of a uh, get it in, get it done, and get it done quick type of uh, atmosphere. And uh, that sometimes can make things difficult on my end and also on the, the judge's end as we're trying to deal with cases that come in and out. But most of the time uh, it involves me practicing more with new briefs and trying to make sure that I stay focused 
on what I'm doing and make sure that uh, that my equipment is the latest and greatest also. Is it difficult sometimes to not get wrapped up in what's going on? I mean, I enjoy watching different court proceedings. And of course, you have the TV shows and, and movies that, that glorify it a little bit. But do you ever find yourself like really having to fight against not uh, getting distracted in those cases? I think because I was uh, always a, a young guy who enjoyed watching television, I don't have that much of a struggle with it because okay. <laughs> this takes you and rather than you sitting on your couch and watching TV, instead you're placed right in the middle of everything that's happening and everything that's going on and it's all happening all around you and you get to be a uh, a people watcher basically and you get to listen and to watch and you almost uh, learn to anticipate Mm. objections coming after certain questions have gone by and you get a real feel for what's going on in the courtroom and you start to uh, actually get comfortable being there and comfortable with the people and with your environment and uh, it really makes it enjoyable you you have a tendency to to see what's happening to understand it from a legal standpoint and sometimes that removes a little bit of the emotion from it but Mm -hmm. uh because we deal with family law matters also in our courtroom, sometimes those do tug at the heartstrings just a little bit. But uh, there's always something that you can look at and see from a legal standpoint that, that keeps a focus uh, for you and for the judge, too. That definitely is a fascinating part for me to hear about. I mean, do you think that if you ever had the urge, you could uh, pretty easily slide into a, a lawyer's role since you've had so much experience really just taking it all in? I can't imagine spending that much time in school but uh, <laughs> and uh, seeing these young lawyers that come out now and uh, the amount of debt that they carry sometimes coming out of uh, <laughs> law school. I would not uh, wish that uh, uh, for myself or for anyone else uh, right now. But I've watched so many good lawyers and still enjoy watching good attorneys do what they do who are really skilled at it in the courtroom. And I really like my seat <laughs> that I have and uh, feel pretty comfortable where I am and enjoy what I do. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think that makes a lot of a sense to a lot of people listening. Now, I do have to ask this you know, because people are curious and you did briefly bring it up in terms of compensation for this type of job. What's sort of a ballpark that someone would be looking at uh, if they are interested in this as a career? It's interesting, the income potential for this type of work, because it's based really on how much you're willing to work and how much time you're willing to spend doing it and how good you are at, uh, at the work that you do. I think across the country, you could probably figure an average for most full-time reporters that would start somewhere around the $50,000 range and go up from there. Okay. Uh, it, it's hard to put a, a top or a cap on it because many court reporters uh, end up uh, owning their own businesses mm. as a uh, freelance reporter and owning a freelance firm and have other people that work for them. Uh, a lot of reporters uh, are very well known for being great uh, in, at what they do. Uh, people who are captioners are cart providers, so they're very high in demand and uh, get some of the better jobs, the best jobs. And you never know uh, what uh, the day is going to hold so you never know if you may walk into a room and there's two or three attorneys or you may walk into the room and there's no place to sit because it's full of attorneys and parties and interested people and the media also. So what kind of cases you get and what kind of work you do and how good you are at it really determine uh, the potential that you have economically. But what is so great about it is how much potential there is. And it seems to uh, increase on a yearly basis. 
again, I don't, I don't mean to keep harping on it, but for those listening, I think it, it just sounds like there's so much opportunity here in a number of different areas that makes this seem like a very um, attractive industry to get into. So I definitely appreciate you coming on. Before we wrap up here, we're getting a little low on time. I just want to give you the opportunity to sort of speak to the job seekers out there. If, if you had one last piece of advice or something you'd want to let them know if they are interested in becoming a court reporter, what would you leave them with today? I would tell them to uh, get enrolled in school, work hard while you're there, and get out as soon as possible because we need more reporters and we need them now. Uh, my son is a, a federal court reporter in the United States District Court. My wife is also a former court reporter. It's uh, something that I've done for over 40 years and started when I was very, very young and enjoy it thoroughly. And it just keeps getting better for me. The profession does and the way we do it and the respect that we get from the people that we work for. Uh, I can't imagine a better job or a better place to be working. That is a terrific endorsement for becoming a court reporter. So again, those listening, lots of opportunity. Sounds like a a great career path that some of you could take out there. Unfortunately, we are going to have to wrap things up on this edition of I Want to Be A. And again, this episode was about becoming a court reporter. And walking us through this profession today has been Glenn Pogue, an official court reporter in Texas, as well as once again, the vice president of the National Court Reporters Association. Glenn, thanks again for joining the show and filling us in on all these details. We do appreciate it. Thank you, Tim. Of course, if you have any questions or comments for us regarding our podcast here on LJN Radio, just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Thanks once again for listening. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody.